I'm going to start off by just realigning this so this is a little bit off centre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep that French up. No, I won't do that to you, mate. That's, uh, I don't want to see you manifest. There we go. Hey, um, so good to be in the room with you all. Uh, it's always a real privilege to be here. Um, and can I share some yarns? As, as you know, can I like to, can I get straight into the, maybe the Gospels or something and share some stuff from there? But I, I, for some reason, every time I thought I'd come in here this time, um, I thought, I'm going to share my, my, my early story. And my you know, classic testimony stuff. I'm going to go for that one, which I don't hardly ever do, but um, that's what has been kind of my sense, the invitation for today. So, um, yeah, is that all good? I'll just go yeah, straight yeah. into how I came to faith and some of the reflections. So we'll hit on the community buzz that um, uh, was just mentioned, but um, it's a bit wider than that also. So I think there's three points leaning into my Baptist side, but also to help me remember what I'm talking about. There's, I'm going to look at the kind of the Christ who calls, the Christ who works on your character, and the Christ who calls us into community, right? That's kind of what I'm hitting, um, but within my own story. So um, here we go. You locked into my accent? We all good? Yeah. Sweet. All right, here we go. So um, look, just my story. Um, I was brought up in the north of Scotland, uh, and uh, back in the day, uh, probably it's still the same actually, the church was on its knees. It's dying, it's dead. Um, all the churches round about were either being becoming pubs or clubs or um, rock climbing centres. It's kind of cool. Um, bars, whatever, homes. Um, my parents, awesome, uh, really stoked to have really great parents. Um, but they were kind of unique in that they went to church with uh, people that were way older than them, local little Baptist church in uh, the north of Scotland in my little fishing village. And so um, I'd go along to this little church and I hated it. I hated going to church. It was um, irrelevant, it was boring, it was painfully informal. Um, the only thing I looked forward to was me and my brother looked forward to was getting like a Mars bar. We, if, when we went along at like, <laughs> halftime, at halftime, uh, like song number two in the hymns, mid-service, we'd get a Mars bar. But apart from that, I just hated going along to church. It just seemed irrelevant and it was just for old people and there was no one else young. So um, that was that. Uh, and then when I got to like nine or something years old, I think I'm not actually 10 years old, um, I got the choice. Paul, would you like to come to church or would you like to stay home and watch whatever? And uh, I took that ticket, <laughs> I got there, and I got to stay home, much to my brother's guttedness. So that was that. When I was 11 years old, my dad, who's a fisherman, they'd overfished the seas in Scotland. Oops. And um, there was no fish left. And his brother was kind of out here escaping his past and uh, told them there's a job out here. So we came out to, no, not a lie, um, we came out to New Zealand and then um, landed in Nelson. And uh, my mum's an artist, so she was happy there, my dad's a fisherman. And uh, we started going along to a little, little Baptist church in Stoke, Stoke Baptist Church. And it was a really good year for me as an 11 year old. Um, I had good friends, I had a school that you weren't living in fear all the time. <laughs> um, I was going along to a youth group, there was, there was young people that were into this Jesus thing. And it was just a really good year. And some, amongst that year, um, something sparked. There was, a, there was a pastor called Wayne Fraser. He was a young, quite a young pastor, um, him and his family. And this guy, Wayne Fraser, and some older people took us under their wing. And it was just something about the way he opened up the story of Jesus and made sense. It just hit me as an 11-year-old. And something sparked that I think there's something legit about this Jesus stuff, right? So that was when I was 11. After one year, we didn't have enough points or money to stay in the country, so back to Scotland, and I'm back to surviving school. 
back to kind of just making life work and then teenage years living with the anxiety of being a teenager. Hell, that's hard. Um, and all that bits and pieces. Didn't go to church. There was no church anyway to go to that really seemed like, it just seemed like death to me, that place is. And so I was just kind of in the groove and just kind of focusing on what I wanted to do, which was soccer, art, and try to find a girlfriend. Um, got to about 18 and like I was, I'm quite a control- I was quite a bit, but, but since, certainly back then, a very controlled kind of person. I had my life plan. And um, when I hit 18, I took a year out. I was about to go to university to study um, fine art. And I was kind of, um, had things pretty set up. I took a year out from school. I was working in a biscuit factory. had a bunch of money in the bank. I was living the dream. I had a lovely, beautiful girlfriend. had my, my uni stuff all set to go. My soccer stuff was going really well. I had some trials. It was all good. And I just felt really sad all the freaking time. I just had this sense of, not quite despair, but something close to it, in that I had all these things that I'd lined up, they were all going really well, but I felt so damn empty, and kind of just, what is the point of it all? Like, it doesn't even make sense, you know what I mean? Like, it's all fit, all the jigsaw pieces are fit, but so what? And um, that was around about 18. I started asking questions of faith and I'd go into dial-up internet. None of, most of you don't even know what that is, right? It's this thing called internet that was really slow. And um, I'd try and like explore things like faith, but anything but Christianity, because that just seemed like bullshit, right? So I'd look at all these different things as on the slow as um, internet. And nothing really clicked. But I was asking the questions. And um, I wouldn't talk to anyone about it other than my girlfriend at the time. But it was my 18th birthday. Here we go. It was my 18th birthday. And... We were decided, let's go out on a big night out. And I wasn't a huge, huge night out guy. I, wanted my, I was art and soccer was my world. And, um, but we went out and um, we're maybe three or four pubs into the night, in near night, um, midnight. And we decided, we'll go to, the, we'll go to the, the donor kebab shop. We'll go to the kebab shop, get our feed, sober it up and hit the nightclub. Right? So we go to the donor kebab, get a kebab, go off to the, the, the nightclub. Uh, the infamous Joanna's nightclub. You know the kind of nightclub you go into and you can feel the stickiness on the floor? Oh, yeah. It was that one. And then you put your hand down and your freaking skin's kind of coming off. Yeah, that one. And um, so I was in there and I'm having a good time. And I'm, I remember just standing next to the dance floor. It was like a little bar, probably half the width of this table, that separates like the kind of casual area to the dance floor. And I'm just there with my pint of beer, kind of just dozing. And, um, and, uh, and suddenly as I'm standing there, just in, in unknown buzz, it happens. I have this full-on vision of Jesus. Like, right in front of me, Jesus. Now, Jesus, I can't see him, but he's like a, it's like a figurine and it's full of light. And he's basking full of light. And I just know... I don't get it, but I know it's Jesus. And he's got his arm around this guy that's Wayne Fraser from when I was 11. You know, from when I was 11, the pastor. He's got his arm around Wayne Fraser. And Jesus says to me, he says, Paul, I want you to do what Wayne did. I want you to leave my church. And I'm like, what the hell? I don't even believe in you. Right? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm... I'm very aware of everything that's going on around me. I remember really clearly that over there is my bunch of mates just getting the next round of drinks in, right? 
over um, over here on the dance floor, there's this couple, they're violently pashing each other. That's kind of disturbing. Um, over here is um, two girls, I remember, were starting to like shout at each other and their friends are kind of separating each other and I see the bouncers coming over to stop this kind of fight. This, all this stuff's very much going on. But in amongst all that reality, there's this vision of Jesus and Wayne Fraser and Jesus going, Paul, I want you to leave my church. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like I say, I don't even believe you're real. Which is a bizarre thing to say to someone that's talking to you, right? And then the vision's gone. And then I do what any normal person does, and I vomit. <laughs> you can ask us folk. I, I had this moment, and I suddenly sobering up really fast, and I go, I'm going to vomit, and I grab my mostly empty pint glass, and I fill that mother to the top. <laughs> it's like kebab and freaking tenants lager has gone to the top. It's a horrible drink, it's like spades, right? And I've just filled it. And now, this is the part where, I've just done this thing, it's like, spew this thing. The bouncers who are on the way to these, these two women uh, just notice me and are shouting, oh my God. and I turn around and in my drunken overconfidence, see them coming off shit, and I turn around and I grab my pint glass and I go, all right lads, all right, cheers. And the part I don't quite remember is apparently, so my friends tell me, I went, because I knew I was going to get tackled, I put the pint glass back down, but not on well enough, so apparently it falls off and then smashes the floor on the bottom, which explains the partial beating I got on the way out, right? Anyway, I had that event. You still with me? Yeah. I had that event, and I can't shake it. Because I've just, I know, I've just experienced God. And it's Jesus. I can't deny it. And I don't tell anyone. I tell my girlfriend, and she really lovingly is really supportive, but also is freaking out, going, what the heck is going on with my man? But for the next two weeks, I'm just like, I know I've met Jesus. And I was in my bed one night, two weeks in, bedroom by myself, and I just start to pray. And I'm like, God, Jesus, I know you're real. I know you're real. You can have my life. Because the best of me, the best of me, the best of what I can create isn't good enough. I want to be part of your bigger story. You can have me, you can have it all, but here's the deal, God. I make a deal with him. I say, if you want me to, you want me to give it all, you get to give me a fresh start. Because I'm not telling my mates, I'm not telling my family, but I, I need to get out of here, I need a fresh start. There's reasons for that. So that was my deal. Three weeks later, not a word of a lie, three weeks later, I get a, my mum and dad get a phone call. They've been trying for seven years, three attempts to try and get residency in New Zealand. And they suddenly get this phone call, and it's New Zealand saying, um, <laughs> you've been accepted for residency in New Zealand. And they come to me, because I'm off to do fine art next year sort of thing. They say, Paul, do you want to come with us or do you want to stay? And I'm like, I'll take that ticket. Which is a huge call, right? So I'm leaving behind a lot. But I take that ticket. Anyway, I land in New Zealand, back in Nelson. I sign up for an um, uh, arts thing at the Polytech. Um, and I'm just like, this is my chance. So I just throw myself into like, Everything I can read and watch on this Jesus stuff. I start going to church, I throw myself in. Within a couple of months, I'm like helping youth lead. No idea what I'm doing, but I'm just all in, man. It's all or nothing. Because if Jesus is real, it's, it, I'm all in. So I'm all in, but I really do not what, what I really even believe in. And about three months into that, four months into that, I go to this first, my first ever youth camp. Go to this youth camp in Golden Bay, bunch of other churches there, Pentecostal preacher. He's going hail and brimstone, whatever. And I'm mostly like really moved by it. It's all good, some good stuff happens. Next day, same gig in this youth camp, the Pentecostal preacher's preaching, but it's kind of the same as what he said yesterday, and I've probably got ADD or something. But anyway, I'm kind of over it by this point, and I start to pray. I start to pray um, about the whole, like, what am, I, what am I doing with my life? And I go, God, I don't know the Bible, I want to know it. 
if you want me to learn about the Bible or about this church leadership stuff, then you've got to give me a sign because I'm doing art. But I kind of have this sense of I need to learn about who I am in God. So I start to pray, and I swear, this doesn't happen to me often in life at all, right? But in that moment that I'm praying, the Pentecostal preacher goes, oh, we've gone over time. It's time for lunch. We're going to have a lunch, then we'll come back to our next session. And he says, but we've got one notice, and he gets up the guy to give a notice. And this guy gets up to give a notice, and he stands up, and this fella starts talking about Bible college. Bible college and learning about the Bible and about training for ministry and leader, church leadership, right? Which is kind of everything, obviously, I want to hear. And I'm like, this is awesome. And then I go, I recognize that guy. Hmm. And it suddenly dawns on me, it's Wayne Fraser. <laughs> Wayne Fraser, who had had a vision of, what, four or five months before in a nightclub in Scotland, and who didn't part of me when I was a living, is now the guy giving a notice at this place in the middle of nowhere about Bible College up in Auckland. And that was the moment that shifted my life. Now, it's an extreme story, right? Well, I think it is. But it was this moment of like, really realizing for me, I was being called into something bigger than myself. And no matter how dramatic or non-dramatic our early stories are, everyone is invited into the call to follow Jesus, into something bigger than themselves. And the gift of that for me was realizing my life has meaning, that my life is part of something bigger, and that I need not fear because the God of creation personally knows me, and that's a gift. It was a huge gift to my life, right? So that was the first part. Oh, good. Second part um, that I wanted to bring tonight, and amongst that crazy random stuff, um, can't really picture your faces with that one, but anyway, um, was um, around character. So when I came to faith, some things dramatically changed for me. One of the things that dramatically changed for me, as I mentioned, I suddenly had no fear. Like, I was quite a fearful guy before that moment, but I think something shifted in terms of, mate, create the universe with me. I don't have a lot to fear. So that thing shifted. Another thing that shifted um, was just yeah, around confidence um, and a sense of purpose. Like there's a spring in my step. I'm sorry, something bigger. It's not just dependent on me. This is great. So there was that part. There's a whole lot of things that didn't shift. Um, a whole lot of things that I brought with me from that stuff into my religious new Jesus life. Um, one of the things I probably took on very from a year, very young age and there's a whole other yarn was I adopted, for various reasons, this deep-seated belief um, from a very young age that I was ugly and pretty stupid. And um, it kind of increasingly through my teenage years drove a lot of who I was. Um, so trying to prove and trying to live into other expectations of I am of value, I have worth, and actually I'm quite lovable. But deep down knowing I'm not of value, I don't have much to offer, and I'm actually just a bloody fraud. And I just brought that stuff into my kind of Christian journey. It just became more religious in terms of ex expression. And also, um, as a person that wanted to control their life, I, became, I was quite controlled in terms of this is, my, this is my kind of trajectory as kind of the best Christian and the best Christian leader. And if anyone gets in my way, if I'm in a stress point, I'm going to railroad them. I'm going to run them down the train. I don't know what the, the phrase is. Anyway, you know what I mean? You get the point. So there's a dark side that was just there and kind of came in. Um, to, my, to my journey. Um, I went to Bible college. God was doing good stuff and doing good stuff within me, whatever, and through me, I suppose, as he does with all of us. Um, did my three years at Cary Baptist College, did my stuff in leadership as well. At the end of that uh, three years, I had this sense from God 
that I wasn't supposed to take a pastor job and I was supposed to go with a bunch of young adults um, and some friends to replant a church in Mangere in South Auckland. And so we moved um, to Mangere in South Auckland. We got a job as a dishwasher in our cafe and uh, my spare time would be spent living in community and kind of serving in youth staff and whatever else in Mangere. And um, all my buttons were pushed. <laughs> like all my buttons were pushed. I lived across from the Black Power president, um, uh, which was dramatic for me as a little uh, Scottish guy from a village. Um, and on one side of me, I lived in a bed set. Um, we had a bunch of kind of bed set apartments that this little um, Baptist church had. On one side of me was a, a kind of quite traumatised Iranian refugee family um, in this little bed set next door. And on the other side of me was a woman um, who'd just come out of the refuge who was really kind of quite deeply traumatised and would just kind of latch onto any man, no matter how dangerous they were to her or her children. And so I was just around people who were quite bust and broken. And that bust and brokenness that I wasn't willing to deal with in my own self was triggering for all my undealt with shit. You get me? So I'd see all this stuff and I'd be like judging this, oh my God, let's just get a crap together for the sake of our kids, rah, rah, rah. And, I, and this, this family over here, they're just bleaching all the government. Yeah, I wouldn't say that, but I think deep down I would think this stuff. But I couldn't fix that and I couldn't fix that and I had this life as a dishwasher that didn't live up to my, my kind of expectations of how I wanted to be a success and someone of value and all that. You know what I mean? It was all, it was all it was pushing this button and pushing this button and pushing And no matter how well I preached and how much, how much ministry that was amazing I did, the church wouldn't grow. And it was pushing all these buttons. Are you with me? So I'm getting all these buttons pushed, but I'm not really addressing them. And instead of like processing it or working with my, pe- with my, with my kind of church community to kind of work through that stuff, instead of I just, I just internalised it all. And I just started to kind of shut myself off from people and get a bit depressed. And I'm back into old habits. Kind of getting home from washing dishes. I close the windows and I'm just getting my die-hard movies from Video Easy and just binging on them while drinking Coronas in line again. (laughs) And then it kind of goes back into my kind of old but never quite kicked it addiction of pornography um, that gave me a a little bit of pleasure and escape from the reality. And that was becoming my norm. Just, I'd say, oh, I can't make it to such and such tonight, or so I can't make church or whatever else, and I was just in the porn, or in the movie, or, 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 or drinking, or whatever else, and just feeling sorry for myself. And in the moments I was around people, I was often crapping on other people to make myself look better. You know what I mean, all that stuff? It just became this toxic spiral. And I couldn't get myself out of it, but I wasn't talking to anyone about it. And I remember this one night, it's kind of a couple of months into this, and I'm um, kind of withdrawing more and more. Is this interesting, by the way, or is this boring? Um, but I was in this kind of spiral, and there's one night, one day, sorry, one day I come home, a big shift at um, Columbus Cafe in Marika. I came up from the dishes, and I'm just like, oh, shit, I can't be bothered. I just get, my, get a beer, start to drink it, flip open the laptop, starting to go into some R18 site, and I thought, screw this, and I put the laptop down, and I'm a, I'm a wee couple of drinks in, and I started to cry. So I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I started to cry a wee bit, and then I started to pray. And I started to pray honestly. And it's probably the first really honest, angry prayer I'd prayed. And you're gonna have to edit this out on that little freaking recorder. Because I started to pray, fuck, 
and I just go on a tirade. And then I start to weep. <laughs> I start to weep. It's like, a, it's like a confessional, like an actual, honest, raw confessional. And I lay it all out there, and I just weep. And then it happens. I have this moment, my second significant moment. Uh, what's that? Four or five years into my journey. But in this moment, the Spirit of God comes upon me like a waterfall. It's just real gentle, really gentle, like water. And it starts to drip down right through my body, right down to my toes. And it's just love. And it, I know it wasn't words, but it was. I knew it was a language. And it was God clearly, Jesus clearly saying to me, Paul, even in this place, even when you are treating your friends and your people like that, even when you're watching that, even when you're flipping acting like this, even when you're telling me to F off and whatever else, even in this place, I love you. I love you. I spent three years at Bible college learning that here, but it never sunk in here. And in this moment, it was like God, through his grace, just took it and went, boom. You with me? And it changed everything. The significance of that moment, the significance of that moment was that it changed how I viewed myself, that I am loved. I don't have to do this, 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 and this to be loved. I don't have to be the best at this, this, and this to be beautiful. I am loved and I am of beauty because I'm God's. And I'm God's child. And it flipped everything. And it changed how I saw my neighbour. Whereas before I saw somebody that on my worst days I'd be like, this, people, this crew, this Iranian refugee family are just leeching off the government, blah, blah, blah. No, I saw them differently. They are resilient, amazing people who have gone through so much and are doing so well to bring up their kids. It changed how I saw it. I saw this woman differently. I didn't see her just as like someone that just wasn't willing to get her shit together, but as somebody who'd been so deeply traumatised and so was in need of being loved and supported back to life. Was like, you know what I mean? It sh shifted everything. Because I saw a little bit of how God sees me and sees them. God was working on my character. The Christ who calls, the Christ who addresses our character to bring freedom and love, right? How do we do that? Three minutes left. The last part. That staff the call that Christ calls us into, the character stuff that he wants to keep on growing and developing so we have more freedom in life and more kind of hope in life can only be cultivated in community, 100%. I feel really privileged that people latched, on me, latched onto me really early in my journey and got me to realize the importance of the body of Jesus. It's not perfect. I'll piss them off, they'll piss me off, whatever. But the importance of like, the only way to grow as Christians is to be in rhythms that are part of it. The body of Christ, right? Um, and we know those rhythms, right? You've got Sunday church, you've got your rhythms of prayer, you've got seasonal rhythms that we're part of, but putting ourselves in positions and in conversations, honest conversations with people close to us, where we can all have honest conversations and honest prayer times and, and hearing the word of God in ways that kind of make it, this is how I see it, make it more likely that God will speak to us because I put myself in places where I can maybe hear him, right? And I was trying to think, like, okay, we all know that. We hear it all the time. What does that look like for me? One of the most significant moments for me was probably, like, 
Um, in my early 30s, this is like about 11 or 12 years into my faith journey, me and my wife had gone through some pretty rough, a pretty rough year with experiencing surreal, surreal grief around some foster kids that we'd fostered and then one of them ended up in prison and um, my brother's had a, a kind of pretty heavy time um, with his, his, his well-being and we'd lost a business and got into a fair bit of debt and we couldn't have kids and um, a close friend of ours had a stroke that meant she'd lost her, her, um, her memory and her, her sight um, permanently. So we had this year that was just racket and it rocked us. And it rocked me, and I was particularly tired. And I'm in that place where, you know, 11, 12 years in, I never thought I'd say it, but I thought, I don't know if I believe this stuff anymore. It's kind of crazy. But the emotions were so heavy at that point, I just couldn't think or feel rationally. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, I just think I'm losing it. And um, at that point, though, um, I was around my wife and other people. I was just, but I just knew there was enough in the tank to go. Just Paul, just turn up. Just turn up to prayers. Just turn up on a Sunday. Just keep on leaning. There's enough in the tank. Just let, just turn up, and be part of the community you're part of. And I turn up, and it was rough, and it pushed my buttons. But I'd kind of continue to reach out and ask for um, prayer and whatever else in that community. And um, there was a, a point where I went to, we uh, were about to move to um, the Wellington Diocese from Auckland. And we were at St. John's at times, so it was part of these kind of rhythms and community. And we came down to the Wellington Dial to a dial training day or something. And Bishop Ellie um, was speaking and she shared this beautiful kind of unpacking of a Jesus story that kind of started something for me of like, oh, that's so real. It was about the suffering of Jesus, the God who suffers and the God who overcomes. And so it was a, kind of that, that life I was in, right? Suffering and hope. And something sparked there. And straight from that session, I come over and I'm sitting, with, sitting down at the table having a cup of tea. This lady, Wendy, comes over to me and says, Paul, I heard what happened with the foster kids. I'm so sorry. Um, can I pray with you? And there was something about that. I just started, just started to cry, right? And as, as I'm kind of sharing about the pain of that whole thing and someone gets me and she's praying for me. And I come out of that conversation and I go over to kind of get more of a, a cup of coffee or something and Jenny Duckworth comes over to me and says, Paul, how are you doing? And I just start honestly share how I'm doing. And I start to, again, I'm not a big crier. It sounds like I am because I'm sharing. <laughs> but, you know, this is years later. And I start to cry again as I'm sharing and almost confessing my pain. But also, this, as I'm talking, there's this deep longing, and I've started to express, but I just so know Jesus is real. I just, just want to feel it again. And as I start to kind of honestly talk about that, you know when you get a Coke bottle, and you turn the little screw on top, and it goes, tss, and all the bubbles start to bubble up? That moment of talking with Jenny was like, the, it was like a confessional, and a hope-longed confessional. It was like, tss, something sparked. And for the next two weeks, I think I'm having a mental breakdown. Because it's like I'm on ecstasy. I'm just increasingly full of this thing called joy. And it doesn't make sense. And that joy, it obviously dissipates into something more manageable and normal. But it just didn't leave. And it was this gift. And it kept me going for the next, well, what's that? Almost nine years since or something. And I kind of looked back on that moment that was like the re-beginning of a, of a faith out of a pretty dark time. And I said, I, I often go, what, 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 was the, what was the inputs? Like, I know it was God, get it, but what was the inputs? What was the parts that kept me going in that moment that, that sparked that? And it's community. 
as part of a community of people that I could pray with, I could talk with, and I was part of rhythms so it was more likely God could show up, and he did. And that is all of our journeys in some, in some reality. The Christ who calls all of us to follow, the Christ who wants to address our character to bring us more life, and the Christ who calls us into community so we can continue to grow and step into more joy and hope amongst the struggle. And it's not just for us, it's for the folk on the street, my neighbours, my friends, the people who quite frankly often are desperate for that stuff. Who's not at the table tonight that we know that are going to have so much value in knowing that they're being called, that their character can develop and deepen into something beautiful, and that they get to be part of an epic Christian community where things can shift? I'm going to pray. Is that right? God. I was a bit full on that corridor, oh, really. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm just super thankful, actually, just rehearing myself, um, how good the gift of your life has been for myself and no doubt for so many of us, God. I thank you, God, for the call you bring us into that's part of something bigger, that's part of something meaningful. Jesus, I thank you that you care about our character, but not in a way that brings us down, but that lifts us up. God, I pray that we deeply know that you are trustworthy with our character. And that God, I pray especially that um, as we kind of, kind of take the leap to kind of lean into more of living in your body, your community, God, that we'd find increasing life. And that we'd realise the gift that sometimes we take it for granted, but that we'd never take it for granted. God, help us to just kind of lean into you more and more in those, in those spaces. God, remind us of our call. Remind us of the character that is yours that you want to develop in us. And, um, and God, may we gift your community to a world wider than ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.